discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. He says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boateng as Christ is magnified in you. Father, thank you for this mighty blessing that you are giving to us to hear your word. Thank you that even as we are listening, your precious Holy Spirit guides us in every single statement. Thank you for wisdom that is granted to all of us, for the gift of understanding that is working in our spirits, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you that you are growing yet more and more, growing spiritually in fulfillment with your desire and your goal for our lives, even in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wow, so I'm, sharing concern, I'm still sharing concerning what to do with the first coming of Christ. And I don't know how many messages you've shared along this line already, but we have said so many things already. And tonight I'm going to continue. The last time I spoke to you along this line, I shared on how that, um, I started talking about six factors for, um, for your spiritual growth. Okay. And I mentioned the first factor as what finding your spiritual nuclear family and then planting yourself in there, isn't it? Then I also shared concerning, um, another factor for growth, which is food. Without a family, you cannot have any proper, proper food. You see. Yes. And without proper food, you can't grow. So you need, you need the right food. You need the right meal. And the, the meal is the word of God. In John chapter 6, verse 32, I want to show it to you. John 6, 32. Jesus said some very nice things about that. It says, Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not the, that bread from heaven. But my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Go back to verse 33. See, so the bread of God or the food of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Next verse, verse 34. Then it says, Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. And he that believeth on me shall never thirst. You need food and water to grow. Jesus said that the one who comes to me, I am the bread of life. And the one who comes to me shall never hunger. He shall never hunger. You know, so Jesus is actually the bread of life that is given to you and I. And Jesus is the word. If you remember in John chapter 1 verse 1, the Bible says that in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. Then he goes on to say in verse 2, the same was in the beginning with God. Next verse. And all, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Then when you jump, then he says, in him was life. That's verse 4. And the life was the light of men. Then when you go to verse 14, John 1, 14, he says that, and the word was made flesh. Other versions would say, and the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus is the word of God, tabernacled in flesh. So Jesus had every right to say that I am the bread of life. 
I am the bread of life. In other words, I am the word of God that you need for your soul. He says that, he said that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So man, man doesn't have to live only by food, physical food. There's also spiritual food for the spirit or the heart of man, for the maturing of a man, for the growth of a man, for the development of a man. That's in Matthew chapter 4 verse 4. But he answered and said, and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. So we can live by the word of God. You see, we can live by the word of God. And that was the second point I raised the last time. And uh, we heard from um, Andrew Omak concerning the place, the role of the word of God in helping our growth spiritually and what it means for you to be born again. When you're born again, your spirit man is saved, your soul is being saved, and your body shall be saved. You see, and the Christian work has to do with the renewal of the soul or the renewal of the mind. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, the Bible says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the, that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The more you allow your mind to change, the more you allow your mind to change to stew the word of God, the more you prove the word of God for yourself in your life, the will of God for yourself in your life. So without the word of God, you cannot grow. It's not possible. You need the word to grow. Remember, we are born of the word as well, just as Jesus is born of the word. You see, if you read in First Peter 1, 23, we've read it so many times. It says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word which the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. So we are born of the word. We are offsprings of the word. And it is of necessity that we grow in the word. I mean, a fish cannot live outside of water because of where the fish is born. Do you see? A fish is born in water, and you don't need to do much to kill a fish. You don't need to use machine guns or bombs to kill a, to kill a fish. All you need to do is to bring the fish outside of its environment. And when the fish comes out of, outside of its environment, it will perish. In the same way, all Christians, all children of God are born of the word. And it is, it is necessary, it is important that we are sustained by the word. If you take yourself off the word, you are going to die. Just as if you don't eat for a long time, you will die. It's the same thing spiritually. If you go off the word of God for a very long time, you will not survive. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So it's very important that you get the right word. It's not just any word, but the right word. Remember, Paul said in Acts 20.32, he says, And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. So it is the word of his grace that will build you up. The word of God concerning what he has done for you, what he has gotten accomplished in Christ for you, is what you need to expose yourself to. Not the law. You know, not um, any other thing, but the, the word of his grace. That is what is able to build you up. If you receive that word of his grace, it builds you up. If you meditate on it, you know, so you eat the word through meditation. I shared on this, I think last year, beginning of last year, there's a message called how to eat the word and all of that. You know, the more you meditate on the word of God, the more it enters you and the more it controls your soul. So in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, Paul said, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The word dwell there 
means let it govern you. Let it control your life. Let it control your mindset. Let it have complete governance over your life. That's what he's talking about. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. How do you allow the word of Christ to dwell in you richly? Through meditation. Through thinking on the word. Through pondering on the word. Meditation is what leads to the renewing of the mind. When you decide that what I have heard concerning the word, I'm going to do. I'm going to allow it to function in my life. I'm going to change to suit it. Do you see? It is the doer of the word that will end up being blessed. Not just the hearer. You see, so we hear the word. Hearing the word is just the first level. That was what I was mentioning the last time. That's knowledge coming to you. But after the knowledge has come to you, understanding must come as well. How will the understanding come? Through meditation. The more you ponder on it, the more you think on it, the more you do the word. So meditation leads you to doing the word and gets you to get results. Do you see? Meditation is what causes the word of God to become a part of you. So in Joshua chapter 1, Verse 8. Look at Joshua 1 8. It says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. This book of the law shall not depart out of where? Your mouth. Out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate. The word meditate there is hagar. It means to talk. So he says, don't let it depart out of your, not out of your heart, out of your mouth. The more you say it, the more it stays in your heart. That's how it works. The more you say it for yourself, the more you recite it for yourself, the more it stays in your heart. Meditation starts from thinking and then going into talking and then into shouting the word of God concerning your life. You shout that word to sink every other thought that would want to take captive, take your mind captive. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, it's very important. It says, let, do not let it depart out of your mouth. Then it says, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. Then it says, for then, when you do the word, then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. It's important to do the word. How do you do the word? Meditation is what leads you to do the word. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7. Look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 22. I hope I'm not rushing. Matthew 7, 22. Jesus said, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever hear these sayings of mine, these words of mine, and doeth them, I will liken him Unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. Next verse. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. Verse 24. Therefore, whosoever hear these things of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. Next verse. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not. For it was founded upon a rock. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and great and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Do you see? So the difference is in doing the word. 
being a doer of the word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For you to have results ultimately with the word of God, for the word of God to function in your life properly, for you to see results, okay, you need to be a doer of the word. Now, how do you be a doer of the word? Doing the word has to do with meditation. He says, the more you meditate on the word, the more you do it. He says that thou mayest observe to do all that is written therein. That's Joshua chapter 1, verse 8 once again. Let me read it once again. He says, this book of the Lord shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, comma. Okay? What he's saying is that it leads you to observe to do according to all that is written therein. Then it says, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. There's pressure that comes on everybody. The pressures that come to humanity, to human beings, to Christians, is the same. Says the rains came, the floods came. All those things are equal to everybody. The fact that you are born again does not mean that you never have any trouble in your life. No, that's not what it means. The fact that you are born again does not mean that you are, you are not going to have any challenge or any trouble in any place. No, you will have problems. It will come. Jesus said, in this world you shall have many troubles. You see, Jesus said it. Then he says, cheer up, overcome the world. In other words, believe in what I've done. Move along the lines of what I've done. And see results for yourself. Hallelujah. So the more you eat the word through meditation, the more you allow the word of God to take over your imagination, to take over your thought processes, the more results you produce as a child of God. The more effective you become. The more skilled you become. You see, a child is one who is unskilled in the word of righteousness. If you remember, let me read it to you. Hebrews chapter 5. Let's read from verse 12. Hebrews 5 from verse 12. He says, for when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk, and not of strong meat. Then he says, for everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. He's unskillful in the word of righteousness. In other words, he doesn't understand the word of righteousness. He doesn't understand the word of God concerning righteousness. He doesn't understand the, the revelation of God's righteousness in the, in the scriptures. Do you see? He doesn't understand. Because that's basically what it's all, it's all about. It's about the righteousness of God and how he has made us right with him. Yeah. So if you read in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, Paul said, I am not, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. And it says, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Then verse 17 says, for therein, for in the gospel, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith, or the righteous one shall live by faith. For therein, in the word of God, in the gospel, is the righteousness of God revealed. So ultimately, that's what happens. He reveals unto you his righteousness in making the sinner right with himself. If you are really um, getting the right word of God, your love for God will keep increasing. You will not think about God chasing you and destroying you. You think more about God helping you, how God is helping you, and how God is keeping you. That's what will come into your mind. And you know that you have grace to overcome every single challenge of life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know that God is in you to help you jump over every single challenge, every, every single problem that will ever come in your life. You see, so he wants you to grow through the word, through eating the, the word of God. How? By meditation, I've told you. And we shed so much on that. Already, and I want you to get some of those messages and it will bless you. This evening, I want us to share, um, talk about the third factor 
for, for growing up spiritually. Remember, spiritual growth is something God is interested in. He wants all of us to grow and mature spiritually because of his first coming. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you read it, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. Chapter 2, verse 12. It says, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. You see, it says the Holy Spirit is in our lives to help us to know the things that are freely given to us of God, which are found in the scriptures. Next verse, verse 13. Then it says, which things also we speak. These things that have been given to us freely of God, we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth. The words which the Holy Ghost teacheth. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. You see, what is he talking about? Let's read the Amplified. The Amplified will help us understand this particular verse in verse 13. It says, and we are setting these truths forth in words not taught by human wisdom, but thought by the Holy Ghost, by the Holy Spirit, combining and interpreting spiritual truths with spiritual language to those who possess the Holy Spirit. Have you seen it? Yeah. Spiritual truths. What is the truth? The truth is the word. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. So he's talking about the word of God. Okay? The Holy, he says, we speak these, these things by the words which the Holy, which the Holy Ghost teaches. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So comparing the word of God with the with, the, with what the Holy Spirit is telling us. So the Holy Spirit talks to us and shows us things in His Word. Our spiritual growth is assisted by the Holy Ghost. Nobody can grow up spiritually without the Holy Spirit. I'm going to talk about the Holy Spirit in a, in a bit, but I just want to mention this to you. Nobody can grow up spiritually independent of the Holy Spirit. Okay, you let's go on. Go to verse 14. We can still keep it, keep it in, the, in the Amplified. Then it says, But the natural... Non-spiritual man does not accept or welcome or admit into his heart the gifts and teachings and revelations of the Spirit of God. For they are fully meaningless, nonsense to him. And he is incapable of knowing them, of progressively recognizing, understanding, and becoming better acquainted with them because they are spiritually designed and estimated and appreciated. He calls them the natural man. That is those who are not born again. Those who are not born again cannot they cannot understand spiritual truths. They can't understand. They don't understand why we say the things we say. They don't understand why we do the things we do. Someone, someone who is not born again will say, ah, why, why are you listening to this thing online? Why are you going to church? Why are you doing this? Why do you give fights? Why do you give offerings? Why do you give seed? Why do you assist people in doing things in the house of God? Why, why, do, why are you doing all this? They, they can't appreciate it's, It is impossible. For them to understand. And he's trying to let you understand that they can't, there's no revelation. They don't have revelation because they are natural. But as soon as you become born again, you begin, the Holy Spirit begins to aid you and cultivate you and culture you. Do you see? To start understanding and appreciating spiritual things. Your mind starts opening up to the word of God. All of a sudden, when something is said, you seem to be able to understand what is going on. You can appreciate what is happening. Do you see? It's the Holy Spirit who does that. In Ephesians chapter 2. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. Let's read from verse 20. I don't have to read too much. Ephesians 2.20. It says, And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Verse 21. Then it says, In whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord. Verse 22. In whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God. How? Through the Spirit. It says you are built together for an habitation of God. A house of God. Through the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Ghost is really involved in our spiritual development. 
And the word of God is, he gives you light into God's word. He opens the eyes of your understanding to be able to understand what the word of God is saying as you read it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And as you are taught it, as you are being taught like this, the eyes of your understanding is enlightened, someone is open for you to understand what God is saying. And then he aids you in thinking about it. You see that you prompt you. Sometimes you be then the, the Holy Spirit brings something to your mind. You bring maybe a joke that was cracked in church or a joke that was cracked online while the message was coming to you. Just so that you can remember what was said for you to start thinking about it. You see, So he aids that the Holy Spirit is a major aid for us. And he represents the third thing that we need. The third factor that we need for our spiritual growth. So the third factor is water. The first one is your spiritual family, spiritual nuclear family. The second one is your f- the food that you need for your growth, for your maturity, which is the word I've showed you. Then the third one is water. You need water. Without water, if you don't drink water for some, for some days, you're not going to stay alive. It's the same spiritually. It's the same spiritually. Water is, an, water is a necessity. It's too, it's too essential for our lives. You know, they say that man is made up of 70, 75% water you know, and 25% you know, physical matter or material matter. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So our need of the spirit cannot be overemphasized. Okay? There, are, there are six factors. The first one is your nuclear family, your spiritual nuclear family. Second one is um, the food. The third one is the water. The fourth one is the is air. You need air. Without air, you can't break down the food. That's the truth. Without air, you cannot you cannot exist. If you are not breathing, food will not mean anything. You see. And amazingly, the Holy Spirit represents both the water and the air. Wow. And the fifth thing you need is is uh, exercise. And then the sixth one is sleep. I'm going to talk about all those ones in the next session. But then today I want to show you concerning the Holy Spirit. Wow. You know, sometimes when you read in the Bible, remember, if you remember where we started from today, in John chapter 6, verse, um, let's read 34 into 35, if you remember. I'm just trying to show it to you once again. He says, Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he, shall, and he that believe, believeth on me shall never thirst. Okay? He that believeth on me shall... First of all, he said, he that cometh to me shall never hunger. That is the word aspect. Then he said, he that believeth on me shall never thirst, which is the spirit aspect. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you need, I mean, thirst cannot be satisfied by Coca-Cola. Or Ceres. Or Don Simon. Or fruit juice. Or Mashke. Whichever one. There's no way that you can quench your thirst with any of those things. It's not possible. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. In the same way, the, the Holy Spirit is referred to as the water that we need for quenching our test. Wow. So in John chapter 7, verse 37, Jesus said something very powerful over there. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. Verse 38. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this speak he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Have you seen it? So he's letting you know that the Holy Spirit is that water that you need to quench your tests. 
The Holy Spirit is that water that you need to, to quench your test. Now, in the Bible, there's reference to water with respect to the word. And there are several places in the scriptures where the word of God is used as water. But in all those references, you will notice that it's, it's with respect to the cleansing ability of the word. Yeah. But the, when, whenever I spoken, what I've spoken of with respect to the Holy Spirit, it has to do with quenching your thirst. Okay? And drinking water is different from bathing. Yes. The water you put in is different from the water that you, you use to clean yourself. So if you look at John chapter 15, I'm just showing you how, you know, the word and the spirit are so similar. They are so, because that's is God. We have God the Father, God the Word, and God the Spirit. And the Word and the Spirit testify of each other. That's why Paul said that we teach you by the teachings of the Holy Ghost. The Word must be explained by the Holy Spirit. And the, 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 the Holy Spirit, the Word also helps you understand who the Holy Spirit is. So they work and function hand in hand. So they have similar effects. Do you see? So in John chapter 15, verse, verse 3, for instance, Jesus said to his disciples, he said, now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Letting them know that the word of God functions as water to clean, to cleanse you, to wash you. And if you read in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, look at Ephesians 5, 25. He says, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Have you seen it? Yeah. Verse 27. That he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spots or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the word of God has that cleansing ability to cleanse you of all your foolishness, to cleanse you of all your stupidity, so that you can grow as God wants you to grow. Yeah. So the word of God doesn't only function as food. It also functions as water for cleaning us. For cleansing us from all things that are not right. In John chapter 13, I don't want to read that part. In John chapter 13, Jesus was washing the feet of the disciples. And Peter said that, I don't want you to wash my feet. Wash, not don't wash only my... Initially he said, I don't want you to wash my feet. Then Jesus said, if I don't wash your feet, you don't, you don't have any part in me. Then Peter said, okay, then wash all of my body. Then Jesus said something. Okay, let's read it. John chapter 13. Let's read verse 16. Okay, it's okay. From verse 9 is okay. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my, my head. Jesus said to him, He that is washed needed not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit, and ye are clean, but not all. Remember, in chapter 15, verse 3, Jesus said, You are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. So by the agency of the word, they were clean. But then he said that your feet need to be cleaned continuously. You see, when you take a shower and you walk, you know, those times, they would, uh, they would, their, transport, their mode of transportation was either by a mule or by a ship for long distances or by a horse or you walk. And most of the time, some of the distance, most of the distances were covered by walking. So they all had water pots at the entrance of their, their homes. When a visitor comes, you know, when you yourself come in, you wash your feet at the entrance, you know, and clean your feet before you enter. You don't need to bath there. Because if you took a shower in the morning, because of your walking in this world, you see, you're walking in this, you're walking in this earth, your feet is, is dirty and hence must be cleansed with the water, which is 
which typifies the word. Do you see? So he says we are born of the word, but we must be cleansed through the agency of the word. The more, because Jesus said you are in this world, but you are not of this world. And the challenges and the pressures of this, this world, the sin, the sin in the atmosphere, there's foolishness in the atmosphere. You need to clean your mind consistently with the word of God. The more you allow the word of God to stay in you, the more you cleanse your mind. The more you allow yourself to read the Bible in the mornings and in the afternoons and in the evenings, whatever time you get the opportunity, you're actually cleaning your feet. Because your feet, your legs have been walking in this world. Your feet represents your walk. You know, your walk with God and your walk in this world. So he's letting you know that you must cleanse your walk in this world so that you can grow as he wants you to. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But the word of God, um, the spirit of God is the, 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 the drink aspect of the water that we see in the scriptures. Do you see? Water for quenching your thirst. And for you to grow, you need to eat and drink some water. You see, you thirst as the days go by. So there are two thirsts that the Bible talks about. The Bible talks about the first test, which has to do with bringing the Holy Ghost into your life. Do you see? For instance, in John chapter 4. Let's read John chapter 4 from verse 9. Let's read from verse 7 so we can just understand it. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat or buy food. Then said the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which I am of, I'm a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest, knewest the gift of God, and who it was that said to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman said unto him, Said, Thou hast nothing to draw with. And the well is deep. From whence then has thou that living water? Where do you have that living water? Because you don't have any pots to draw. Next verse. Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us this, the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall test again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Have you seen it? Yeah. Says, I'll give him water and that water will become a well in him. It's called the well of salvation. Okay? Jesus said with joy, it's, it's in the Old Testament, says, with joy shall you draw out of the, of the wells of living waters. Do you see? It's, it's called the well of salvation and that comes as a result of the coming in of the Holy Spirit. Immediately you got born again. Immediately you get born again. You are born of the word and the spirit. And the test of your life is quenched at once by the agency of the Holy Spirit who comes into you to live in, in your life. Okay? You cannot be born again without the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in John chapter 3, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So we are born of the spirit. He that has not the spirit of Christ is none of his. Okay? So we are born of the spirit. The Holy Spirit is in us. And his presence in us is what quenches our eternal thirst. Wow. wow. But apart from that thirst, there are daily, there's daily tests. For instance, if you, you are born fresh and you are given water to drink, okay, you still need water. I mean, water is a, is a daily necessity. Some, for some, it is an hourly necessity. You must drink water every hour, every two hours. I mean, you keep drinking that water, which is already inside you. 
For instance, we are born, of course, we are born with 75% water inside our system. Yet that, that does not mean that you don't need water to drink. So even though the Holy Ghost is in us and is in our lives at the new birth, okay, read Romans. Let's read Romans chapter 8. Let's read verse 9. Romans 8, 9. It says, but you are, in, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. The spirit of Christ is the Holy Spirit. He says that, that if, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Okay, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Look, jump to verse eleven, Romans eight eleven. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. So, as for the question of whether the Holy Spirit is in me or not, uh, it's answered by the new birth. At the new birth, the Holy Spirit comes into your life. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. You see, we are one spirit with him. As he is, so are we now in this world. It is by the agency of the Holy Ghost in us. And that quenches your thirst. Your eternal thirst. But then, there are daily requirements. Daily requirements of drinking water. Drinking in some more water. Even though you have plenty of water. 75% 75% of your system is, is, is water. Can you imagine? You shouldn't be taking any water. But then you, you test on a normal day and must take water. After eating, you realize that you need to drink some water. You, see? you need to drink water. So in Ephesians 5, verse 18. Look at Ephesians 5, 18. It says, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. It says, Do not be drunk with wine. Wherein is excess, but be filled with the spirit. You can read it this way. Do not be drunk with the wine wherein is excess, but be drunk with the spirit. Or keep drinking of the spirit. So the, look at the amplified. The amplified is nice. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But ever be filled and stimulated with the Holy Spirit. Ever be filled. Ever be filled. There are other versions that say that be being filled with the Holy Ghost. Let's message says, look at the message version. It says, don't drink too much wine. That cheapens your life. Drink the spirit of God. Huge droughts of him. Can you imagine? So the Holy Ghost can be drunk. You can drink of the spirit. Wow. And drinking of the spirit leads to the infilling of the spirit. Do you see? So when we talk about the water that is required for your spiritual growth, we are talking about many infillings of the Holy Spirit. Continuous infillings of the Holy Spirit, which will help you to grow as you're supposed to. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't know if you understand what I'm trying to say. The more you drink of that Spirit, your life just changes. Your life takes on a different dimension altogether. In John chapter 6, verse 63, Jesus said that the Spirit, the flesh profited nothing. First of all, he said, it's the Spirit that quickeneth, or it's the Spirit that gives life. The flesh profited nothing. Then it says, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. This is what happens to any man who allows himself to drink of the spirit continuously. The more you drink of the spirit, the more your words change to become spirit and life. Your words, your words become spirit and life. You will notice that your life is becoming a blessing to others. That is when, you know, that is when the well, that is the spirit that is inside you, starts flowing to others. 
because your well is full and hence can flow to others. So Jesus said it in John chapter 7. If you remember, I mentioned it. John chapter 7 verse 37. He says that in the last day of the feast, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Then he says, He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly, by virtue of drinking of this water, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. So on your own in a day, you partake of the spirit in a cup. And that's what I'm trying to say. I'll explain it to you. You just have a small fellowship with the spirit and you partake of him. Okay? He's in you, remember? He's already in you. I'm not, we are not doubting that. But then there are many infillings of the spirit that comes as a result of your fellowship with the spirit or comes as a result of your speaking in the language of the spirit. Okay? What he's saying is that the more you do, the more you drink of the spirit, the issue of the spirit out of you becomes river-like. You have rivers of living waters coming out of your spirit to other people. To be a ble- you become a blessing to other people. Wow. wow. It's not just good for your life. It's good for other people around you. You become a blessing to other people who are around you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Look at Acts chapter 6. Let's read from verse 3. I want us to look at some examples of some people who were filled with the spirit. You know, who we're used to drinking of the Spirit. I'm going to show you how to drink, how to drink of the Spirit very soon, okay? He says, wherefore, brethren, this is the disciples talking. Let's read from verse 1 so that it makes more sense. In those days, and in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a memory of the Christians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. We will not leave preaching and study in the way, and go and serve tables. No, we'll not do that. Next verse. Then he says, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report. Can you, can you find someone who has an honest report? You can, because there are physical things that show that somebody has an honest report. You know, he's a good guy. Oh, this guy is a good guy. That's an honest report. Probably he's done something. He's done one thing or the other. The Amplified says, look at the Amplified. Therefore, select out from among yourselves, brethren, seven men of good and attested character and repute. I mean, that's why you can find. You can easily can notice that this person has a good character. Oh, this, oh, he's very nice. He's a nice person. He's not harsh. Then he goes on to say, full of the Holy Spirit. How can you tell if someone is full of Can you tell if someone is full of the Holy Spirit? Can you tell? If you couldn't tell, then why did they say they should look for someone who was full of the Holy Spirit? You can tell. Wow. If someone is full of the Holy Spirit, there are evidences that show for you to know that this person is full of the Holy Ghost. So they told them, look among yourselves, seven men of honest character, honest report, full of the Holy Ghost, because you can tell when someone is full of the Holy Ghost. Just as you can tell when someone is drunk with wine, you can also tell. You will not see the wine inside him. But you see the effects of the wine. So the effects of the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Which affects your character. It affects everything about you. So this man called Stephen. Something happened with him. So let's, let's continue reading. He says, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. Meaning that when someone is full of wisdom, you can see by the decisions he's making. Then he says, whom we may appoint over this business. Verse 4. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the same pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man 
full of faith and full of the Holy Ghost. He was full of faith and was full of the Holy Ghost. And Philip and Prochorus and Nicanor and Timon and Parmenas and Nicholas and Proselyte of Antioch. Next verse. Whom they said before the apostles and when they had prayed, when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. Verse 7. And the word of God increased. And the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Verse 8 is what I want you to see. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. So one of the signs that someone is full of the Holy Ghost is doing great wonders and miracles. Wow. Great wonders and miracles. His life is a wonder. What takes people two days to accomplish is accomplished in, in two hours with him. He doesn't need to do much to get so many things happening. A little input brings out a lot of output. Why? Because the whole, he's filled, he's continuously filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to show you some more in the scriptures. I mean, it can be seen. When someone is filled with the Holy Ghost, it can be seen. Look at Acts chapter, Acts chapter 11, verse 22. Acts chapter 11, verse 22. This is concerning another man called Barnabas. He says, Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church, which was, at, which was in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch. Who, when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all, that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. For he was a good man, and full of the Holy Ghost, and of faith, and much people was added to, unto the Lord. He was what? He was a good man, and full of the Holy Ghost, and of faith. How did they know? You know how did they know? How did they know? How do they know? There are things that happen to you when, you when a man is filled with the Holy Ghost. And I've showed you one. Wonders. Miracles. That is there. As for that one, I can get so many scriptures for you. You see plenty in the scriptures. Look at, look at Acts chapter 13, verse 9. Acts 13, 9. Then Saul, who is, called, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set eyes, his eyes on him. That is on Elimas. This was this a guy called Elimas the sorcerer. Paul was trying to preach the gospel to uh, one man called Paulus, who was a, a governor of the place where they had gone to. And Simon, who was a sorcerer, whose name is also called Elimas, didn't want them to preach the gospel to him. So the Bible says that Saul, who is called Paul, filled with the Holy was filled with the Holy Ghost, and he said, "That's verse ten. Look at verse ten. And said, O full of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil." Thou enemy of righteousness, will thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. Wow! Look at the next verse. Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. So because Paul's filled with the Holy Ghost, he spoke and it happened. When I feel the Holy Ghost, when you speak, things happen. <laughs> Your words are not empty. You don't just say and then it's, it's there. No, you, you speak for things to happen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then boldness. Oh, these are all evidences. If you are drinking of the Spirit, we we'll know by some of these things. Do you see? We we'll know. How is your life like? If you check your life and you realize that no miracle. You have been going for two years. You've not had any type of miracle around you. 
in your life and in the life of someone you are ministering to or another person, it means there's a problem. To check whether you are really drinking of the Spirit. Have I ever been through the Holy Ghost? Have I ever drunk of the Spirit? You should be asking yourself that question. Do you see? Look at Acts chapter 4, verse 8. Boldness is one of them. Have you ever stood boldly to confess and say what God wants you to say without any fear of, or trepidation? Do you see? Are you always afraid? The Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he has given us a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. That's the kind of spirit we have. The more you drink of that spirit, the bolder you get. You become bold as a child of God. The Bible says that the righteous are as bold as lions. Look at this. Acts chapter 4, verse 8. It says, then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost. Now remember, Peter, at this time, Peter was standing in front of all those who sat and condemned Jesus to death. So Caiaphas was here. Anas was here. All the people who were there, you know, the high priests who had, who had um, presided over the crucifixion of Christ were here in this particular meeting. But Peter did not. He initially was afraid. Before the coming upon of the Holy Spirit and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in his life, he was a man who was full of fear. He could not say what he was supposed to say when he was supposed to say it. He could not defend the gospel. He could not relate the gospel as he was supposed to. When he saw, remember, when he, he followed Jesus when he was arrested. And a, a small girl came to say that, I know you. You are one of Jesus' disciples. He cursed heaven and hell and cursed the child. You know, that if, what are you talking about? I don't know this man from anywhere. He could not, he could not, he could not, you know, just flow and say that I know him and I'm ready to die. Meanwhile, he has said earlier that I'll die, I'll die with him. Jesus is going to die, I'm going to die with him. But he could not fulfill his promise because there was no spirit to help him to become bold. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But at this particular time, he had received the spirit and he had become so confident, so bold. So in Acts chapter 4, verse 8, the Bible says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be done unto you all and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, can you imagine? How can you be so confident? Whom ye, you people, crucified him. Whom God has God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you. Whole. Next verse. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has come, become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Wow. Look at the next verse, verse 13. He says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they saw. The boldness was so of evident that they saw the boldness. The boldness was tangible. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Wow. wow. He was filled with the Holy Ghost and he became bold. In Acts chapter 6, a similar thing is there. The disciples prayed and the place where they were shook and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and they spoke the word of God with boldness with confidence. So these are all signs that show that truly you are drinking of the Spirit on a consistent basis. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Look at Ephesians chapter 5. I want to show you some more evidence that shows that truly you are drinking of the Spirit. Okay? Then I'll show you how to drink of the Spirit. 
how to drink of the Spirit. I don't know if you're interested in that. We love it. How to drink of the Spirit. So, um, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Ephesians 5, 18. It says, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Then he puts a semicolon there, isn't it? Now, he's going to show you what happens to someone who is filled with the Spirit. He says, ever be filled with the Spirit. Okay? Then he says, he goes on to say in verse 19, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. So if you find a man whose heart is not full of bitterness, okay, but whose heart is full of singing, making melody to the Lord, in his heart to the Lord. Sometimes you can be with some people, and then all they have is complaints. I don't know why all this is. is it. You see, it's because your oil is finished. Your fuel is finished. You see, when a car does not have fuel in it, and you're trying to, you're trying to spark it, you know what happens? The car begins to grumble. It can't spark. That's what happens to every child of God who does not continuously drink of the Spirit. Your life becomes full of grumbling. So when we see that you are full of grumbling and memory and complaining, and I don't know, the government has done... You listen, we know what the government is. Everybody is aware of the government in their country. But there are instructions concerning what to do with the government. The more you are filled with the Spirit, okay, the more you do your commitment, your responsibility towards the government. You will not be complaining about everything when you see the road. When the government... Every day, you know, they, they. When you are filled with the Spirit, even the road is bad. When you, are, when you fall into a pothole, you speak in tongues. Mola kashatalala. Rego shatalaba. That's what will happen to you. That is what will happen to you. So Paul told the church, he says that don't be memory, don't become memories and complainers. Remember, that's in Philippians 2.14. Go to 14. He says, do all things without memories and disputings. Let's read, let's read the Amplified. Do all things without grumbling and fault finding and complaining against God. And questioning and doubting among yourselves. All this is a sign that your fuel is finished. The oil in your life is finished. The, the water that you need. You are thirsty. And you end up grumbling. When someone is with the spirit, he has a sweet, he's sweet. He's nice. Even if there's so much pressure around, you see that their testimony is different. Yeah. Their testimony is different. Go back to that place in Ephesians 5.19. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns. That is, it's not, he's not talking about me speaking to you and you speaking to me. He's talking about you talking to yourself. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Then he says, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. That's one of the first signs. Actually, that comes before the miracle signs and all of those things. That's the first sign. When you've, when you've, when you've drunk of the Spirit and you're satisfied. Nothing moves you. Nothing around you moves you. Whether the business is going well or not. You have a sweet spirit. You see that you'll be there and then songs are just bubbling out of your mouth. Good songs, not foolish songs. You see good songs coming out of your heart. It will just come. Just like that. You'll just be there and then you just find yourself making some sound. you just be doing, I need no other argument. Oh, I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died 
and that he died for me because he lives oh i can face tomorrow songs will just come just bubbling i'm just singing a song that will come into my heart yeah you will not be full of all kinds of things complaining grumbling i don't know i don't know remember it says complaining against god against god because of something that has not been done a prayer you've prayed and has not been answered you start grumbling it's a sign that you've not drunk you you need to drink when there's so much pressure on you you need some time to speak in the holy ghost you do you need to stir up the giftings and the callings of god hallelujah Hallelujah. Look at the next verse. I'm just passing through. We can share on these things in a more extensive way as we go on. Okay. The next one says, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the next thing that happens to you when you are filled, when you are re- when you've drunk of the Spirit. When you drink of the Spirit, you become a thanksgiving person. You are into thanksgiving. You are not into looking for all the things that have not happened. You just thank God. Oh, thank you, Lord. 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 Oh, it's done. Thank you, Father. It's done in the name of the Lord Jesus. When you see a man who is with the Spirit, that's what you hear. You hear that a lot. These are things. So these are the things you can use to check if someone is with the Spirit. Wow. Do you see? If you are around a person and you are moving around in the day, check how many times a person thanks God. Check how many times a person uh, uh, does not grumble, but is filled of songs, you know, and hymns and spiritual songs, thanking God. Yes. Check it. You will notice. That is how to tell whether this, that is how the old people, the, the church of old could tell. That well, this person is full of the Holy Ghost, this person is not. Yes. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that this is the will of God concerning you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. It says, In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Have you seen it? Yeah. Let me read it again. In everything. Not, not, not something so. In everything. In, not for everything. It says, In everything. The other place is for everything, even. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20, where we're reading. Look at Ephesians 5.20 once again. Giving thanks always for all things. That one says for all things. The other one says in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Concerning you. That's, that's, how, that's how he wants your life to be. So the more you drink of the spirit, the more thankful you are. You become so grateful. Even for little things. Yeah. The church of old, can you imagine? Those people were persecuted, were killed, all kinds of things. You see, Emperor, Emperor Nero gave a day, apparently gave a testimony concerning the faces of the people, the Christians whom he was killing at the, at, at the, at the stakes or in the Colosseum, all those places that they were killed. There were a lot of emperors of Rome that did that to Christians. And he would want, he, those times he wanted to check their faces, see their faces when they were dying. And every one of them, every single one of them had a smile on their face. Whilst they were dying. Whilst they were being eaten by lions and all of that, they were smiling. 
because of a shoe you requested for and I've not had. You will not you your face your the wrinkles on your face are increasing because of something that you requested for that you did not get. It says in everything give thanks. Give thanks for all things. All things. If you are like that, and that's what happens to you. If you want to be more thankful, be filled with the Spirit. When you're filled with the Spirit, you just be thankful. Thank you, Lord. Oh, it's, the Lord is doing it. It's done. You are not bothered. You are not worried. No, whether you, 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 you are looking forward to something happening and it's not happening, makes no difference. You thank God that it has happened. Thank you that it has happened. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. Colossians 3, 17. And whatsoever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Whatsoever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And giving thanks to God and the Father by him. You know, this is the second way you see that, oh, this person is really, he's really drunk of the spirit. He's drinking. He's not only eating. As he's eating, he's drinking. Yeah. Because the effect of the, the drinking is showing. Yeah, it's showing. He's becoming more grateful and more thankful for everything he has and does not have. Whether he has or not, he's still thankful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Go back to Ephesians chapter 5. I'm closing soon. Ephesians chapter 5. Giving thanks always, verse 20, for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 21. Then he says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Do the third thing in this place. I've showed you two or three on the other side. I'm showing you three more here. This one says, submitting yourself one to another in the fear of God. If you're unable to submit yourself to another person, another Christian, do you understand when we say submitting? Well, okay, let's really amplify. Maybe you don't understand it. It says, be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. Be subject to, what, to one another out of reverence for Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. Have you seen it? You see, submission is so important. Me submitting to you and you submitting to me. There's a way God wants us to think. And it comes only by the drinking of the Spirit. The more you drink of the Spirit, the more submissive you are. To people who are under you. Remember, people who are under you. People who are under you are supposed to submit to you. You don't become a leader or someone important in the church and then you are like this. Nobody can talk to you. Nobody can relate with you because you are the pastor or because you are the leader or because you've been in the system for a long time. So you, you can't relate. You can't flow. There's something wrong. And that is, that is a means of checking whether you are really filled with the Spirit. How submissive are you? How, how is even God is easy to flow with? Let me show you a scripture. You know, sometimes, sometimes there are some people in the church who cannot be spoken to. You cannot talk to them. First of all, you cannot confide in them. If you confide in them, your, your, your story will go everywhere. That's the first one. Secondly, when they, when they are at fault, you can't tell them that, oh, I think this thing that you did was not right. Even someone ahead of them cannot see. How much more someone below them? You can't see. Someone who is your colleague cannot see. I mean, I've been telling you, if you can't, if nobody can advise you, you are on dangerous grounds. There's something wrong. There's something wrong. Look at Philippians chapter 2. 
Let's read from verse 1. This is nice. I think you'll love it. Philippians 2 from verse 1. It says, If there be therefore any consolation in the Spirit, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, verse 2, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Have you seen it? Then he says, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let's read from verse 3, once again, in the Amplified. Oh, it's nice. Do nothing from factional motives, through contentiousness, strife, selfishness, or for unworthy ends, or prompted by conceit and empty arrogance. This is what makes you a child. When we say someone is a child in the spirit, this is what we are talking about. It's not how many scriptures you know. It's what type of a person you are becoming. So in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1, Paul said, And nine brethren could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes. Look at it. Let's look at it. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. Next verse, verse 2. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto you were not able to bear it. Neither yet now are ye able. Why? Look at verse 3. For ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? So this is what makes you a babe. The fact that you do everything from factional motives. You do everything. You, 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 are, you, are, you are too difficult to flow with and to live with. Do you see? Envy, strife. Let's read the Amplified of verse 3. So it's not, it's not how much tongues you can speak. What is the conversion rate of the tongues to your attitude, your character, and all those things? For you are still unspiritual, having the nature of the flesh under the control of ordinary impulses. For as long as there are envying and jealousy and wrangling and factions among you, are you not unspiritual and of the flesh, behaving yourselves after a human standard and like mere unchanged men? Do you see? So, he says that when you are filled with the Spirit, you become submissive. One to another. One to another. One to another. Makes no difference who it is. You are ready to flow. There are some churches when their pastor is changed and another pastor is brought. It's a, it can be a war. There are church, I've seen churches where a, a war literally broke out because a pastor, their pastor was being taken by the headquarters for another pastor to come in there. It was not a small thing. Prophecies were coming that the pastor is not supposed to go. I mean, they can be worshiping, worshiping and someone stand up. The Lord says, that's here's the Lord. This pastor is not to move from here. It went as far as that. Babes. 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 Because the one who is coming, they don't know who, the, who is coming. But this one, they know, I've known this one. I mean, all kinds of things. You can have people in the, in the house of God and they'll say that we are the hot chicks in the system. They are the hot chicks in the system. 
and they, they have a, they have their group and they can say to another child of God given birth to by the Holy Ghost that you are not part of our group. You are not part of us. You are not beautiful, so you are on this level. Listen, you have to be very careful. You have to be very, very careful. Whenever you play with God's children, God closes. God does things. Pride is not a good thing. The only time God fries his children is when they are proud. When they feel that they are something. When they feel that they are something, feel that you are, you, you have something to hold on to, something to hang on to. Because of one thing or the other, because of something that you have, or, I don't know. Go back to Philippians chapter 2. Let's read it from verse 4 into verse 5. It's nice. It says, let each of you esteem and look upon and be concerned for, not merely for his, his own interest, but also each for the interests of others. Next verse. Let the same attitude and purpose and humble mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Let him be your example in humility. So, you see, someone can be doing miracles and all of that, and he's proud. He's not, he's not, it's not the Holy Ghost, it's something else. He says, let the same attitude and purpose and humble mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Let him be your example in humility. Next verse. Let's read King James. Okay. okay. I think Amplified is still nice. Go back to the Amplified. Who, although being essentially one with God and in the form of God, possessing the fullness of, of the attributes which make God God, did not think this equality with God was a thing to be eagerly grasped or retained. Have you seen it? Because you are close to God in a certain way. <laughs> you feel that this is it. There's something wrong. It's not the Holy Ghost. That's not the Holy Spirit. If you are through the Holy Ghost, you submit yourself to another person. You revere another person. Submission has to be reverencing the other person. Respecting the other person. Considering the other person. Do you see? Checking the other, how the other person feels about what you are going to do. Not stepping on people's toes and then thinking that it's nothing. You can just insult people in the, in the house of God, outside the house of God, everywhere. Do you know who I am? You see, you should be someone who can be managed. You should be someone who can be managed. You can be convinced easily. I don't know if you understand. Along a good line, like you're so angry that nobody can talk to you. Your pride can be hurt. No, that's not, that's not Christian. It's not supposed to be like that. He says we should submit ourselves one to another. You know, I was saying earlier that Jesus could be managed. You know, you can, you can manage God. Even, even God can be managed. How much more you? Look at Acts chapter, let me show you an example. Acts chapter 9. Um, let's read from verse 10. Acts chapter 9 from verse 10. He says, and there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in the vision, Ananias. And he said, behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, arise and go into the street, which is called straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth, and has seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him, and that he might receive a sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he has done to the saints, to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me. 
to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, blah, blah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you've noticed the, the, the scriptures I just read, Jesus appeared to Ananias and spoke to Ananias. That I want you to go and go and pray for this guy called Saul of Tarsus. And Ananias, it, it was not like a, it's finished. This is what I'm saying. So if you say anything, I'll kill you. No, Ananias could talk back to Jesus and talk back to God. Jesus in his glorified form. He could talk back to Jesus. I've heard of this guy, Lord. I have heard of this guy. How he has killed so many people and here he has uh, tickets and all of that to come and kill and destroy people here. Do you see? He could be managed. He, could, he was trying to talk back to the Lord and manage him. How come we can't talk? Like if you give an instruction, we can't talk back. And so, Pastor, is this, is this how support? My, my brother, is that, should we do it like this? It's like we can't talk back. We can't say anything to you. Because as, when, you, when you finish talking, it's finished. I'm done. It's finished. Final. It doesn't work like that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's not supposed to be like that. Okay, go back to Ephesians chapter 5. Let's read um, from verse 20 into verse 21. It's so nice. It's so nice. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. In the fear of God. You fear God. You submit to the other person. You respect the other person. You honor the other person. And all this comes as a result of your infilling of the Spirit. The more you are filled with the Spirit, the more you drink of the Spirit, the more you are filled. And the more you are filled, you see these things happening in your lives. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Go to the next verse. The next verse, he starts talking about wives, husbands and wives. He says, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands, as unto the Lord. So even in marital relations, we have to submit one to another, first of all, before the wife has a role or responsibility of submission. Okay? So I want to show you briefly how to drink of the Spirit. I mean, what can I do to drink? We've, we know how to eat the Word. It's through meditation. Now, how do I drink of the Spirit? How can I drink more of the Spirit so that I can be satisfied and be filled with the Spirit and be able to bless others as I'm supposed to? If we had more time, I'd have gone into Ezekiel chapter 47 and showed you the effect of the outflow of the Spirit, the fullness of the Spirit that you have. You see, but there's not, there's not much time. So let me just share this with you. How to drink of the Spirit. How can you drink of the Spirit? The first one is the fellowship with the Spirit. It's the fellowship of the Spirit, or the fellowship with the Spirit. And it's found in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14. You can drink of the Spirit by fellowshipping with the Spirit. Do you see? By fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit, who is in you. So in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14, he says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. Let's read the Amplified. The grace, favor, and spiritual blessing of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the presence and fellowship, the communion and sharing together, and participation in the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Amen. So be it. You see, so he calls it um, fellowship, communion, sharing together, participation. The Greek word is koinonia. It means to share your life. To share your life with somebody. Do you see? To, to participate in activities with somebody. And it means to distribute or to talk with somebody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't know if you, they say show me your friend and I'll show you your character, right? Iron sharpened iron. So the countenance of a man that's his friend. Do you see? How you become is as a result of the friendship you keep. If you have a friend 
you notice that you talk to that friend a lot. You, it's called fellowship. Talking to that friend is called fellowship. That's what fellowship has to do with. That's what communion has to do with. Sharing your life. When something happens around you, you see that you call the person, Charlie, Charlie, something happened, you know, something happened here, something happened here, and all of that. You chat with the person, you talk with the person. You see. So the same thing is supposed to be done with the Holy Spirit who is inside you. The more you do that, the more you pick up. You know, if you've noticed, you, you, some, I remember there are some friends that I ended up laughing like. Like one day I was laughing and I realized, ah, it's like I'm laughing like this person. You know, because we have worked together so much. Our mannerisms were becoming similar. Wow. It's even worse when you get married. You notice that married couples start looking alike as time goes on because they are fellowshipping with each other on a continuous basis. Do you see? So the more you talk with the Holy Spirit, the more you are drinking of him. And you notice that you start showing his character, his attitude. That's, that's basically it. Do you see? So when you wake up in the morning, try your best. Don't just storm out of your room as though you are Superman. You just, and you are gone. It doesn't work like that. Okay? Try your best. Talk to the Holy. When you wake up, greet the Holy Spirit. So, um, Benihin has a big book on that. You know, Good Morning, Holy Spirit. On how you can engage the Holy Spirit in your life. And engaging the Holy Spirit in your life like that brings you into the miraculous. It brings you, it changes your character. It changes the way you are. It changes the way you think. It changes the way you relate. You realize you're becoming a better person. Do you see? You're becoming, you are easy, easily entreated. You don't get angry by heart. Yeah. Things don't, even the big things that would have made you so angry before will become so small. Because you are, it's like you are walking on cloud nine. You are so happy. You are so excited. You know, you just greet the Holy Spirit. Good morning, Holy Spirit. You share your life with Him. Today, I'm not, I don't feel like going to town. What do you think? You'd be surprised that He will talk back to you. You'd be shocked. You, you say it's my mind. It's not your mind. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will talk back to you. And the more you, you trust what He's saying, and, and the Holy Spirit talks, there's a language of the Spirit. The language of the Spirit is the Word of God. The Holy Spirit talks in the Word. Every Every language um, is understood by a group of people. But if your mind has not been trained to understand that particular language, you will not hear what they are saying. You see, I can speak another language. It's a language that exists with people understanding. But if you've not been schooled or you've not been trained in your mind concerning that particular language, you will not be able to understand it. In the same way, the Holy Spirit has a language. So some people say, oh, the Holy Spirit does not talk to me. He talks in the language of the word. That's there. That's a diction. That's a dialect that he uses. Do you see? He talks in the language of the word. So when you talk to him, he replies with, to you with the word. He doesn't just talk outside of the word. If you have something talking to you outside of the word, you should know that it's not the spirit. So what to show that this is really the Holy Spirit is the fact, is, the, is, the, is, is confirmed. The, that aspect is confirmed with the fact that you hear the word, the way he refers you to the word. I don't know if you get it. So that you, you have safety in fellowship with the Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you, you share your life with Him, basically. As you share your life with Him, you are drinking of Him. Mm. As you share your life with Him, you are drinking of Him. You are drinking, you are participating in Him some more, basically. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Or you greet Him. Good morning, Holy Spirit. How are you doing this morning? And He reply, I'm blessed. How about you? I'm also blessed. Well, this morning, I'm thinking about doing this. I'm thinking about doing that. You can even bring to your mind, call this person. If it's been a while, call this person. True. Talk True. to this person. He will help you solve the problems that you have. You notice that all the problems will become small. Yeah. 
if, it's, if you are not engaging him, the problems will just rise like that and overshadow you. Hallelujah. That's the first way. How to drink of the Spirit. Through fellowship. Through the fellowship of the Spirit. Or the communion of the Spirit. Or the sharing together of the Spirit. Or the participation of the Spirit. It all means the same thing. It means friendship with the Spirit. If, you have, if, if you've ever had a friend before, then you, you, you should be able to understand what I'm talking about right now. Yeah. You see the way you can text somebody for a long time. Especially when you find a, a new beloved. Just be texting. Texting deep into the night. Sharing your life with a person. Even if the person is not saying much. If the person is saying, wow, amazing, oh, ah, you'll still be texting. Because you you're in love. Yeah, same thing with the Holy Spirit. You just share your life with him. And you'll be surprised that he's interested in your life. Wow. wow. Then the next one is praying in the spirit or praying in tongues. Jude one twenty. Jude one twenty. So you can drink of the spirit by first of all fellowshipping with the spirit, and second of all, praying in the spirit. Okay? It says, But ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Let me show you let me show us in the amplifier. But you beloved, build yourselves up. Founded on your most holy faith. Then it says, make progress. Rise like an edifice. Higher and higher. How? Praying in the Holy Ghost. Praying in the Holy Spirit. So you can make progress and rise higher and higher like an edifice by praying in the Spirit. Now, what does it mean to pray in the Spirit? There's a difference between praying with the Spirit and praying in the Spirit. Okay? That's a difference. Look at 1 Corinthians 14, 14. There's a slight difference. I'm just, I just want to differentiate it for you. It says, For if I pray in a known tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. Then it says, What is it then? I'll pray with the spirit, and I'll pray with the understanding also. Please, you understand? Then it says, I'll sing with the spirit, and I'll sing with the understanding also. So, um, I can pray with the spirit. That is speaking in tongues. I can speak in tongues. I'm praying with the spirit. Um, and then he says, and I'll pray with the understanding. You can pray with the understanding. Father, thank you. That's with the understanding. Speaking in your own language. You choose your words, isn't it? Yeah. Father, thank you for your blessings. Thank you for all that you're doing for me. I'm grateful. I'm thankful for your goodness in my life. In the name of the Lord Jesus. I just prayed with the understanding. I can pray with the spirit. I'm praying with the understanding. And it's so easy. I don't need to think about it. Just as I don't think much about the language I'm going to speak. I just speak it. There's a language of the spirit you can speak easily. Do you get it? Yeah. Uh-huh. So what he's saying is this. He's not saying that when you wake up in the morning, Molabasha, Malagraso, Stonomande, oh Lababa, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. Galaba Sholo Brobobo. Mola Dada Badabaya. Krasto. In Jesus' name. Amen. Then you go away. You prayed with the spirit. You didn't pray in the spirit. What he's talking about. So there are two ways. You can pray from here. Or you can pray from here. From your belly. He's talking about entering the spirit. Going into I don't know if you understand. Like allowing, speaking in tongues that over, overwhelm you. Speaking in tongues until you are overwhelmed. Please, you understand? Yeah. The Bible says in Acts chapter 6 that the disciples prayed and the place where they were shook. Certainly, it is not the type of tongue speaking you have been speaking others about. Well. I don't know if you notice. Yeah. Because your, your area has not shaken. Mm. <laughs> your house has not shaken. Acts chapter 4, verse 31. It says, and when they had prayed... The place was shaking where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they speak the word of God with boldness. When they prayed, the place shook and they were filled. 
So he's talking about praying in, praying in the Spirit, getting into what you are doing. Because as far as God is concerned, in 1 Corinthians 14, 14, go to 1 Corinthians 14, 14. For if I pray in a known tongue, my spirit prayed, but my understanding is unfruitful. Do you see? So you can speak in tongues, and your understanding is unfruitful. There's class there. Go to first Corinthians, go to chapter, this is chapter 14, go to verse 2 now. First Corinthians 14, 2. For he that speaketh in a known tongue, speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. He says you are speaking to God, and hence no man understands you, including yourself. Do you see? You are speaking to God. That's true. But because your mind is not fruitful, you must make an attempt to make your mind fruitful by engaging your mind in what you're doing and allow your mind to get deeper into what you're engaging in with your spirit. You know, speaking in tongues is something that is very powerful. Scientists have discovered that our frontal lobe that is responsible for our speech is not functional when we are speaking in tongues. Meaning that it's not something that you're doing from your mind. It's something that you're doing by the Spirit. You are not coordinating your mind to do it. It's your Spirit that is coordinating your mouth and all of those things to do it. Now, He wants you to get deeper into what you're doing so that you can have something out of it. I don't know if you get it. He wants you to engage yourself. As long as you're speaking in tongues, your mind is eating rice and stew somewhere and is visiting your beloved somewhere and is attending a, a, a seminar somewhere. You are working in your... As you are praying in tongues, you are working. In your mind, okay, I'll, I'll go and put the bowl here and do this one. You are cooking in your mind. There's a problem. That is, you are speaking with the spirit. You get something out of it, but it's just on the fringes. To make real development and progress, and to increase, and to be filled with the spirit, drink of the spirit for, your, for the purposes of your growth, you need to pray in the Holy Ghost. You need to pray in the spirit. Get deeper into what you're doing. Bring your mind to what you're doing. Or else you not get anything out of it. I don't know if you've noticed that you've not been getting much. You speak in tongues, but you don't get much. There's not much revelation that comes to you. There's not much, you don't have much effect. Do you see? Because you've been praying with the Spirit, but not praying in the Spirit. He's, he's talking about you getting deep into what you're doing by bringing your mind, engaging your mind in what you're doing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Cho used to say that it took him an hour to bring his mind to what he was doing when he's speaking in tongues, when he's praying in the Spirit. When he wants to pray in the spirit, it takes him an hour to bring his mind from all the problems that he has to just engaging his mind specifically. On what, basically, he's talking about focus. Focus on what you're doing. Do you see? That's what it means when we say we are, you are praying in the spirit. You are praying in the spirit. You know, uh, um, um, John, John the Divine said that I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. We are always in the spirit. Remember, I just read it to you, Romans chapter 8, verse 9. He says, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, isn't it? Yeah. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. So we are in the spirit. We've been born in the spirit. And we dwell in the spirit. Everything we do is in the spirit. He wants you to have an, a, a proper engagement. So we are in the spirit, but then you are in this world as well. He wants you to leave this world and engage in the spirit properly in order to have results and grow as he wants you to. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So that's the second way of drinking of the spirit. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Not praying with the Spirit only, but praying in the Holy Spirit. In other words, praying in a focused manner. Bring your mind to what you're doing. Bring your mind to what you're doing. Stopping your mind from engaging in trouble, the troubles of the world. Bring your mind to what you're doing. When you're praying, focus. You focus. That's why we close our eyes when you're praying. 
As long as you're praying, you're opening your eyes. Everything that is happening, you're seeing it. And your, your mind is engaging in the fact that the Bible says that if I pray in a known tongue, my spirit prayer, but my mind is unfruitful, does not mean that it doesn't want your mind to be engaged in what you are doing. You must bring your mind to what you're doing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that's the only way you will have fruitfulness. You start growing. You start hearing from the Spirit. The Spirit one word from the Spirit can change your life forever. That's the truth. One word from the Spirit can change your life forever. In Acts chapter 13, Paul, Barnabas, and the, and the rest were praying in the Spirit. They were in the Bible says they were worshiping the Lord. Pray in the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereon I have called them. That word changed their life forever. That marked the beginning of miracle signs and wonders in Paul's life. That marked the beginning of the birth of many churches because the Spirit said something and they heard it. They weren't just speaking in tongues, they were speaking in the Spirit. They were really deep in what they were doing. So don't just, don't just be. There's a place for that. I've spoken about that in times past. There's a place for that where you can. You are speaking in tongues to engage yourself, to engage, to just stare yourself up. Okay? Now that's, that's different from getting deep into the spirit by focusing your mind on what you're doing focusing to receive something from the lord if you are drinking you do it intentionally isn't it you don't just drink as you're going on you do this and then drink no you go for a cup you go for a bottle you open it you drink it there's focus involved in getting that thing into your system same thing along this line focus and watch the spirit of god work in your life in an extraordinary way and watch yourself grow you see that your attitude is changing you are nicer. You are a better person. You are lovelier. You are sweeter. You can, we can easily flow with you. And everything will be okay. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I know you've been blessed. God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastoti podcast. Simply search for Pastoti on any podcast app, plug in, and enjoy God's word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless you.